This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment right. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now, here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, folks. Do you feel safe? Are you, are you protected? Hmm. Well, you know, it's time to take ownership of your self-defense journey. The U.S. Concealed Carry Association believes the key ingredient to being a responsible firearm owner is proper training and education. The USCCA offers comprehensive training that helps you avoid danger while keeping you and your loved ones safe. More than 650,000 responsibly armed Americans like you have made the responsible decision to take control of protection themselves and their families. Get hands-on training from certified instructors. Learn how to avoid danger. Defend yourself. Protect your loved ones. Take responsibility for your own safety. Visit uscca.com slash G-O-R. Nice. I want to kick off the show with a happy birthday. Who to? One of our uh, San Diego County Gun Owners members uh, is having her birthday today, and I believe she's listening, so I wanted to say happy birthday to Chrissy Bailey. Happy birthday, Chrissy. Oh. You're, uh, I believe you're 21, so you're going to have your first legal drink today. Right. Congratulations. And your present is in the mail. <laughs> exactly. Right next to the check. Exactly. So what's up, gentlemen? Well, it's been a quiet week. Yeah. Yeah. We just had two shooting socials. Bumps, nothing major. Yeah, we just had two shooting socials. We had one Saturday. We had one this morning. Yeah. Teaching people how to shoot. A lot of mentors. What are you shooting? Uh, it was all pistol, nine millimeter. Um, you know, our shooting socials are for people who've never shot before or, or very or have very little experience. It's mm-hmm. the first time shooting experience. We pair them up with experienced volunteers and they teach them how to shoot for the first time. How do they get on the list? Uh, go to our website, sdcgo.org, and look at the shooting social section. And for $60, you can come to a shooting social, and everything's included. Um, all you do is show up with, with a pair of sensible shoes and a high-neck shirt and a smile. Why would you want a high-neck shirt? Yeah, you don't even need the high-neck shirt. Come on. Well, the high-neck shirt Let's is... break to, them in. Yeah, really. The <laughs> high-neck shirt is, of course, to prevent brass hot brass from going down your shirt right that's never fun we've all mike wears a t-shirt a shirt and another shirt that's right all kinds of all kinds of stuff don't need to start Um, the forest fire but it was great we had a couple people that came that came and mentored at both uh rick and steve and mark savitsky were mentors both saturday and say i hope i didn't forget anybody but man i cannot thank mentors if you're listening i can't thank you guys enough this program is so successful and it's because of you guys you guys are all awesome so thank you so much I didn't realize it's only 60 bucks. 60 bucks. How much time usually does that eat up? It's 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Oh, they, wow. uh, most of that is on the range. They get a safety briefing. Uh, we provide the gun. We provide the ammo. We provide the eye and ear protection. The, wow. Uh, the target. Um, you know, it's, it's honestly cheaper than just walking in off the street right. and renting a gun and getting a lane. And, and not and know it. what the hell you're doing. Where were they uh, this weekend? Where'd you do them? Saturday was Discount Gun Mart on Moreno over by SeaWorld. And then Sunday this morning was uh, Poway Weapons and Gear. Both beautiful ranges, fantastic ranges. That uh, and Then last weekend was at uh, the Gun Range San Diego. 
you guys usually open up a little early and get there ahead of the crowd or well there's no crowd they don't open up neither none of those places open until 10 they open up early uh, for us that's what i was saying yeah. so you guys you actually have the place all to yourself that's right we got run of the run of the place eight Man. to ten it's all us so nobody's pressuring you no one's trying to get in your lane or no your job is to come have fun be 60 safe, bucks smile all kinds of cool stuff do they have to join Nope, don't have to join to be a member. Just have to come and, and have some have have a good time. So, did you see that uh, they signed the law to uh, in in California to uh, that allows people victims of crime to sue gun manufacturers? Yeah, but that didn't they didn't they didn't go to vote, did it? It, it got signed Nothing into law. The vote. It, got, <laughs> it went through the legislature and it got yeah. signed into law. So it's in the law now. Yeah, yeah. It's active. It's ridiculous, though. Now, haven't we gone through this before? I mean, not in California, but um, haven't other places tried this and this does not work? You know, a couple of years ago, we gave at our dinner, we gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Robert Wright. He's a local attorney and he was a big part back in the 90s of, 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 the, of a case that basically said, no, you can't do this. You know, they keep talking about guns. You can't do this with any industry. It's not just guns. They keep pretending that guns have some kind of special magic right. you know, protection. There, there's not a single industry out there. If you take a, any, any industry, you take the silverware industry to court because you, uh, I don't know, you, you cut yourself with a butter knife or whatever, you're, not, you're getting thrown out of court. You know, it's ridiculous across the board. So there, I'm. It's cute that they passed this little law, Gavin Newsom, and his ridiculousness. But this is going to get, you know, a bunch of attorneys are going to make a bunch of money defending and getting rid of this. But that's it. It's well. What if it gets kicked out frivolous? You know, first two three times. Well, it, the, the law's got to get overturned, and the only way to do there's only two ways to do that. You vote the right people into office. We're pretty far away from that in California, mm-hmm. and two, it gets struck down in court. So it's, it'll get struck down in court. It'll right. you know work its way up and get struck down in court. But he was pretty happy about it. Oh, he's thrilled. He is. He's thrilled. Well, it's interesting, too. The, um, with the Supreme Court decision uh, recently, is that um, you would think that would give um, the Second Amendment people a little more firepower when they, char- or when they challenge this kind of law here, mm-hmm. when they go argue it? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be harder for the state to justify that now in light of the Supreme Court ruling? Oh, yeah, 100%. Hundred percent, and um, you know it, it's just it's just a it, it, you're seeing like these desperate grasps, you know. Uh, for uh, I, I mean the the Heller uh, decision was great, the McDonald decision was great, but this Bruin decision is enormous. Well, see, and that's what I'm, I'm thinking is the the big value of the Bruin decision is the the idea, you know, what Clarence Thomas said about that how. Um, they can't do the balancing argument anymore that the argument now from the state against our rights is going to have to be based on what historical right. um, precedents, the text of the actual yep. um, documents and tradition, I think is how he exactly. said it. Right? Well, they're panicking. Text, history and, and tradition. They are. That's all it is. And the closer they get to the to midterms and they know there's a chance they're not going to be able to do this again. Well, and there's speculation that, that uh, old Gavin wants to run for president. <laughs> well, of course he does. Well, it'll be the smart move now. I mean, for Didn't him, you uh, see him at the White House walking the grounds? I didn't know. I didn't see it. Yeah, was he, he kind of testing the place? He was feeling the couch. Like, he went, oh, in the back, comfy. went in the back door, and you know, p- you know, people were following him around. But but he was doing it like a little kid that was that got in the back room of a museum. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. I'm watching him. I'm going, what the heck is he doing? Well, I said it back during the, you know, it, it was unfortunate that recall was such a, a clobbering because 
it would have been better. You know, it's better that that recall never. Better for for people that don't like Gavin, it's better that that recall never happened mm. than for him to successfully beat it because that gave him even more political power. And that's unfortunately what happened. And you know, I just can't cry over spilt milk. And I'm not saying that they never should have done the uh, the recall, but that this is a consequence of uh, of losing that recall. You know, they say elections have consequences, and this is one. By the way, you don't know our board op tonight. I do know him. Do you know Noah? Yeah. Well. What's up, gentlemen? How you doing, Noah man? Is I'm doing well. Cream of the crop when it comes to board ops. Well, how long have you been here? Uh, since the the vintage dirt here in the studios that's hanging around, <laughs> I've been there that long. Well, listen, I I think Noah's great, and I, I am familiar with him. But you no, know, you get some big shoes to fill with Brendan. Oh, I mean Brendan's, you know, Brent Brendan is legendary. Yes. Uh, I, I'm a myth. <laughs> With that, we'll take a break. Folks, you're listening to God Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Ethan Jones from Weaponry Training and Tactics, up next. But if you have legal matters that involve firearms that you need to call a California firearms lawyer, John Dillon, especially if your questions are regarding red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150, or you can go right straight to his website at dillonlawgp.com. You know, last December, the Inland Empire gun owners had their Christmas party at Fascination Ranch, which is a really cool venue if you've never been there. It's in, I think it's right on the border of Riverside and San Bernardino. I'm not actually sure which county it's in. I think it's actually in, officially in Riverside, but it's a beautiful little venue. And uh, I got to meet a really cool guy named Ethan, and I was particularly impressed because, you know, we did a little raffle like we usually do at these events. And uh, an adorable little girl helped us pick winners, and that was Ethan's daughter. And she Mm. was a fantastic assistant, and Ethan was extremely interesting to talk to. So we're having him on to talk. Ethan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. You bet. So tell everybody about weaponry training and tactics. What do you guys do? So it's a, I'm a, prim, a primarily owner myself. Um, I'm the lead instructor of the company, and I primarily like to focus on safety and fundamental basics of firearm training with individuals. Um, so I started doing a lot of stuff here with new shooters and first-time gun owners and just try and get them more comfortable and responsible with their firearms. Nice. What was the cattle? What made you do it? Um, well, other than the good old pandemic here that happened and realizing that, you know, kind of the world and crazy stuff happening out there, you kind of have to be the only one to protect yourself and your family. Um, so I went ahead and started this company and said, hey, let's go ahead and make myself a little bit more responsible with firearms as well as the people around me. So That's awesome. What have you found out about uh, people when, uh, you know, now that you've had um, some, some, you know, a bunch of time under your belt working with students, uh, professionally day in, day out. Uh, what has that told you about, you know, how, what have you discovered about people? What have you discovered about gun owners? Uh, one of the biggest things that I've actually discovered is a lot of people are interested in firearms, but unfortunately are 
not properly educated or properly informed about our industry. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people still hear and go by what they see on the news and uh, don't really want to talk to actually professionals or people involved in the industry until we actually kind of get the opportunity to bring them into our circle and show them the true facts behind what we have to offer. Well, you know, all the stupid gun laws that we have in California really has all but destroyed the culture. You know, if it you look, has. yeah, you look at other states. You talk to people that you know grow up in other states, and you know, you can't make it to adulthood without you know someone pulling you aside and teaching you gun safety and proficiency. And all the uh, the bias and all the stupid laws in California have made it. You know, I, I don't know how many times you know you meet somebody they make it to forty, fifty years old, and they've never touched a gun before. You know, and I think that 100%. makes that makes for a really unique educational environment, wouldn't you say? It, it really does. I mean, for just like you said, I mean, for some people more in the Midwest and other places in the country, I mean, it's it's more of a way of life. I mean, it's actually a, a an upraising, like you said, when you reach a certain age, it's almost a milestone to be handed your first firearm and taught the proper ways and the proper safety of using that firearm. Um, and for a lot of people, it's actually the way of providing meat and providing safety for your for your family. So. It is very weird and very odd that politicians and certain gun laws here in California make it very difficult. But like you said, it is very awesome, very interesting on the optimistic side of it to actually get that opportunity to bring these people in and, and teach a lot of people the truth and the, the stuff that's not misleading. And you're, you're, primar- you're in Riverside County, right? I am in Riverside County, yeah. I'm pr- primarily located out here in the Palm Springs area, but I travel all over Southern California to help out with clients. So, you know, a few years ago, you guys had a, a new sheriff in town, uh, uh, Chad Bianco, who's truly, sincerely one of my favorite, if not my favorite elected uh, official that I've ever met. Uh, I, I just think the guy is so outstanding. Um, I, I, you know, know him a little bit personally, but mostly just from he, what he does professionally. And I just think he's an outstanding individual. Um, I think he strikes a great balance, you know, and, and is... Uh, great at communication and he just does his job uh you know i just think he's fantastic can't say enough good but one of the things he did is he really fixed the ccw issues that were that were going on and i I think you guys have three four five times as many ccws issued in riverside as uh was issued when he uh when he started have you noticed uh you know what has that done what has that done for your students what has that done for the culture have you noticed a, a big difference in riverside because of it I have. I've noticed an influx in a lot of clientele. Um, unfortunately, I, I do like to keep my stuff very small and private. I do like to make it very personal with me and my students. Cause I feel like when you start to get, and it's just my opinion on this, but when you start to get the big crowds and it's just myself here as an instructor, um, you kind of lose that one-on-one individuality. So I like to keep it very small and get that personality with the students and get them to understand what actually they need to learn as far as the foundations of the firearms. Um, but which with Chad Bianco going on right now, I mean, Yes, there's been an influx as far as for applicants and to see what they're doing as far as it and actually handling it very positively and professionally has been awesome. I think you guys great. Really do. Just can't say enough good. Is there anything like what what would you say makes you unique or different? Is there anything that that, that you're particularly fond of um, about your uh, uh, about your company and the way you teach um, that you know makes you a little different or something you just like to emphasize? Um, so I just touched on it a little bit. Is I like to keep my classes very small, and I do I do keep it very private-oriented. Um, I want to make sure that the students are actually picking up what I'm putting down, kind of speak. Yeah. Um, and I want to make sure that everything's being, poorly to say, but regurgitated back to me properly. I want to make sure that everything that's being told about my safety foundation, the responsibility foundation, understanding the gear that goes behind 
having a proper firearm concealed. Um, I want to really make sure that they have a proper understanding of that. And like I said, when I, when I feel like there's a lot of people in the class, some people take it, some people don't. And I want to make sure that people are actually getting what their money's worth and, and wanting to actually continue to do this. That's cool, man. That's very, very cool. It sounds like uh, you have a. It sounds like you really have a have a good solid base and, and and are really close with your students. I try to, man, and you know, I, I really want to make sure that they're understanding that everybody's different. Everybody's built different. Their hands are different, and because of that, I also try and do a little bit of firearm consulting behind that and make sure that the firearm actually fits the individual properly and not just one, sell you a firearm or put a firearm in your hand that one, you're not going to be comfortable with, or two, it's not going to fit you and your firearm style. Now, you don't have to use names or anything, but uh, is there a way, do you, have a, do you have a particular story that you're most proud of? Is there a student or an experience or something that happened that you're, you know, a story you can tell us that you're particularly proud of? I mean, I've taken a couple students out there that have had a very, very negative output or a very negative look on firearms. They were just raised very anti-firearms, very anti-gun ownership, and they wanted to take one of my basic safety courses. I brought them into the class, and I, I really made sure to break it down to them on a very intellectual level and that they can understand it. And after actually putting firearms in their hands, showing them the basics and the understandings of grip, sight picture, sight alignment, trigger control, and really breaking it down to them, and actually putting live fire firearms in their hand and getting them to a range, it really changed their perspective on firearms. And like they told me, is they just really needed an instructor and somebody to break it down to them to give them that actual intellectual properties to understand what firearms are. That's awesome. There's, uh, you know, I, I think the typical gun owner, especially, uh, you know, folks that are maybe listening to a, a, a gun radio show, have probably taken a little bit of training. Um, you know, they've owned guns for a while. They've taken a little bit of training. Um, what, are, what what would you say people in that position, people that have owned a gun for, you know, at least five years, they've taken at least one or two classes, um, you know, they're somewhat proficient. They take it very seriously. Um, what would you say they're messing up? What, what's their, what's the one thing that you, you wish, you know, uh, you wish you could, uh, teach more people or, or, or what message would you like to get to that gun owner more? Um, the, the biggest thing that I would want to push on that is just understanding or changing your mindset. I mean, I have a lot of people that feel like they, they can get their gun, they get a CCW license, they take one or two classes, and they feel like they're proficient and they can go take on the world. Um, unfortunately, I feel like firearm fundamentals and skills is not like riding a bike. Um, it's very uh, diminishing skills. So I feel like if you don't stay up on it, you don't continuously practice, you're going to be very uh, surprised when you actually go to use that firearm where your skill set's actually going to lie. So. I look at this almost like a PhD, like a doctorate. You're going to continuously keep learning, continuously keep training throughout your whole lifestyle with firearms. That's awesome, man. Very cool. I, I, I think your school and what you're doing is is really great. I think uh, the way you're approaching it is, uh, you know, is, is fantastic. It's It definitely feels like, uh, you know, when I first started purchasing firearms in the 90s and looking at classes, you know, things have changed a lot in the last 25 years. Um, it really has turned from a kind of a good old boys club, you know, that was very militant, you know, in, in as far as training. You know, everything was kind of drill instructory. Um, and it's turned into uh, a far more helpful, inclusive, um, practical industry. I don't know. Does that make sense? And what I say, do you, do you agree? Do you see it that way too? You're 100% right. Yeah. I mean, the, the industry is evolving. I mean, 
I look at it as everything's evolving just as fast as iPhones nowadays. I mean, the firearms industry evolves just as fast as technology. Um, I mean, even with just the firearm development, the ballistics of ammunition, everything is continuously changing. So I feel like not just with training on the use of the firearm, but I feel like just individual or just training within the industry in general, it's continuously, continuously changing and changing rapidly. Are, are you in California? I am. He's in Riverside. Okay, very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm here in Palm Springs area, um, but I, like I said, I'm in Riverside County. I travel all over. The only reason I said it is because he was saying how great your gun technology you got. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, we only got six guns in California. <laughs> I know. How yeah, could they yeah, be? And that, that's what makes it difficult for us here as yeah, well. I mean, we, very much. we have this very tough list, and even though we have we hear all this wonderful stuff being passed in yeah. we unfortunately we unfortunately here in California still have our hands tied, and we're waiting on what our our good old uh, dictator here is going to do for us. So. so what do you, so, I mean, as far as the roster goes, you know, what are the options? Uh, we actually, what we'll do is we'll talk about it on the other side of the commercial break, but we've talked about this a couple of times and I, I wanted to see, you know, name off the options at when we, when we get back, name off the options for a tr- true conce- uh, concealed carry gun. I mean, you know, every, I think everybody, you know, a Glock 19, most people can carry it. But you know what? What are you? What are your options? What do you like, or what do you recommend when it comes to like a true carry gun, something that's truly subcompact or truly concealable by just about anybody? For a guy and a girl, guy and a girl. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think he's only going to come up with like he's going to come up with the same three or four that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. But I just want to, I just want to see what your what, what your input is on that. Um, but not yet. Let's go to the commercial sure, break. Sure, let's do that. And, yeah, let's go to a commercial break and do that. Do you already, you probably already have them in mind. You probably already know. Well, like you said, there's only three. Yeah. <laughs> All right, don't touch that dial, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. The answer. San Diego, streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. Boy, is this going to be a great room. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, do you have trouble fitting in uh, workouts with your busy, busy schedule? Well, hey, man, you got to try Leo Fit. Leo Fit is a super high-tech gym that delivers the benefits of three to six hours of traditional strength training in just two 20-minute sessions a week. That's right. Sounds hard to believe, but because the machines are computer-controlled, they deliver maximum weight you can safely handle by the second. That's how you get the highest possible return of your fitness investments and time. Just go talk to Leo. He'll tell you all about it. It was founded by Leo Hamill of the jewelry store fame. Leo Fit guarantees increased metabolic, I can never say that word, strength and fitness in every session. You will not uh, understand how effective it is until you try it. 20 minutes, you can do that. Twice a week replaces an hour of weightlifting and aerobics. Sign up on the website at leofitlabs.com or type Leo Fit in your browser for more information. Sign up for a free session and tell him you heard it right here on Gun Owners Radio. One of our listeners already ran into him. He went down there and signed up and uh, so at least one of our listeners is already down there working. Yeah, you were there with him. I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay, so we're uh, we were just talking up to Ethan Jones from uh, Weaponry up in uh, in the Palm Springs area up in Riverside 
and uh, we asked what what are the what you know what are some true concealed carry options. So, Mike, you actually hit it right on the hill before the break there. Um, my go-to is the Glock 19, so that's my everyday carry. Um, yeah. Kind of get made fun of it for carrying a good old plastic gun, but, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, second option I would throw out there for people is, again, the Smith & Wesson Shield, yep. uh, the MMP. Um, just depends on the body size as well as the hand size. It's going to fit the firearm dependably. Um, then the next option I like to throw out there, I'm not a big fan of revolvers personally, but I like to like to throw that option out there, especially for women or people with smaller hands. Um, the Smith and Wesson, the Lady Smith or the Airweight, um, and then I also like to throw the Glock 26 out there. So it just depends on the individual, what your attire is, what your job is, stuff like that. I kind of like to dress around the gun accordingly. Hey, Ethan, I have a question for you um, concerning the revolvers. Because uh, we did a, a Women on Target last week over at the Lemon Grove Rod and Gun Club. And um, we had a woman that, that came, and she had a revolver, and she said, you know, she can't shoot it. She has trouble with it, uh, with her finger strength, with pulling the, the trigger with the double-action revolver. And um, it was interesting because this woman was a little bit unique because she had the same problem with the uh, semi-autos as well. But have you run into that with, um, you know, recommending revolvers with women uh, and having trouble with, uh, you know, with the double-action trigger? I, I most certainly have, and that's personally one of the reasons why I don't like to steer people towards revolvers. Um, nothing against revolvers and their operations. They do their purpose, what they're used for. Um, but for concealed carry purposes, I try and steer away from that due to that double action trigger pull. Um, same with like certain CZs or certain Berettas. Um, I want, I'm, I'm very big on consistent trigger pulls and uh, consistency in general. So I like from trigger pull one to 10 to be as thorough as possible. So the, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's really, truly, I mean, of course, we have the Rena case, which is against the roster, but I mean, I can't think of a, of a, of a more clear example of someone, of infringing on someone's right to, to bear than prohibiting all the firearms that they would normally use to carry um, unless they have technology that doesn't exist, which is exactly what this roster does and i think it's pretty clear that it in, it inhibits your ability to do your job it inhibits your your uh, students ability to protect themselves i mean it's really horrible it, it does and in my opinion it also in a sense kind of makes it a little bit i don't want to say less safe but it makes it a little bit more difficult for people to actually become familiar with firearms because either one the slides are a little too difficult to reciprocate um the trigger pulls are a little bit too hard to pull for individuals so there's a lot of newer firearms out there that unfortunately are not acceptable here to California due to our roster issue that would actually alleviate a lot of those problems for students here in California. Now you're a member, you, you like I said uh, at the top of the, the interview, you, you came to the uh, Inland Empire gun owners Christmas party. And uh, I know you're, you're fairly active with them and can tell you how much I appreciate that. And thank you so much. What, what's important to you about groups like Inland Empire gun owners? Um, just the fact that, like I said, being at your guys' events and that they are open to the public, um, I really do appreciate that, and that they actually are very transparent with everything that's going on, and they are, you guys actually do keep people informed of what's going on, not just with legislation coming down from the state itself, but also at a more current and city level and county level. Um, I, I think personally that's very big and very informational to a lot of people around us because nobody really understands that point. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of city councils, and people don't, I don't think, fully realize just how much authority a city council has over your life, your everyday yeah, life, you know? 
and the more people that actually get together, just like IEGO and SBGO, I mean, the more people we can get congregated on that and actually show that the people actually have a voice, um, you'll see actually what can actually happen when we actually come together and voice our opinion together. There you go. So what's your background? How did you get into all this? So I've been shooting guns since I was about five or six. Uh, my grandfather got me into this at a very young age, and he's kind of one of those old school guys that taught me, hey, if you want to be able to protect yourself one day, you got to be able to learn how to use this properly. So I started at a very young age. Uh, I'm actually passing that on to my daughter as we speak now, but unfortunately I hear this new law coming on that we can't teach kids now, so I don't know what's, what we can and can't do as far as that now. But uh, I, I've just been around guns my whole life. In high school, I took a protective service academy to teach me in regards to law enforcement, EMT, and firefighting skills. Um, so I have a very basic understanding about all of that. And just, I really love my, my freedoms. I love my 2A rights, and I want to do my best to kind of conserve them and pass them on to the generations that come. Did you, how, you said you're in the kind of the Palm Springs area. Or did you, are you originally from Riverside, or what brought you to that section of, of California? I was, uh, I was actually born in the high desert and then grew up in Fontana, so grew up in San Bernardino County, and then uh, moved out here to the Palm Springs area, just relocated out here for work, and then started my own business. That's awesome, man. So local local guy. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Born and raised in California and don't plan on leaving unless uh, things don't change. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to stay and fight. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you kind of you kind of go against what I what I was saying that uh, you know, California has successfully stripped away the gun culture. Here you are, you know, you grew up using firearms, you're you're a local guy right in in the Inland Empire area and now you're uh, you're teaching others, so uh, you know you're the exception, man. Which is very very cool. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Not a problem, man. Like I said, I appreciate the opportunity, and I just I continuously want to keep uh, reaching out myself and helping out anybody I can and anybody in this industry. Uh, like I said, I keep fighting for these rights. Well, I think when we do it the way you're doing it, it's eventually going to happen. I mean, if you have enough people that have the same mindsets you have, it's eventually going to flip. It just has to. You're 100% right. I mean, unfortunately, or I should say fortunately, um, there's a lot of people right now that weren't like-minded like we are that have actually been flipping their mindset and kind of seeing a lot of stuff that's actually been happening with their own eyes without having to be influenced in any way. And uh, they're actually starting to wake up and see the reality. So I think the the game might be over here soon and we might actually uh, be able to stand on our feet again. You can only lie so long. So, hey, Ethan, I, mean, I, have a, I have a question for yeah. you. Do you do a lot of um, work with uh, youth programs and, uh, you know, younger students? Because you mentioned uh, a minute ago that the latest goofy law from Newsom. Um, and I know we've seen examples now that it's that's having kind of a chilling effect. A, a lot of people that uh, we've seen a couple of youth programs canceled already because of this stuff. I was just wondering, um, do you do anything with kids and uh, that kind of teaching or those kind of programs? I do. Um, unfortunately, I am still trying to make sure I'm on the legal side of everything due to what Newsom is trying to play right now. And I don't want to get caught up in any type of uh, bad juju with that right now. Um, but I do like to teach younger kids. I had actually a little event that I was doing from six to 16. Um, as long as they were properly supervised and signed a waiver with their parents, I would definitely go ahead and teach them small caliber firearms, pistol and rifle, and kind of get them familiar and understanding of firearm safeties and fundamentals. If anyone's listening and you have questions about the law that 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 they're, that that, uh, that everybody's talking about here. Um, 
if you want to know, you know, and Ethan, you as well, um, if you want to know if your advertising or your flyer or whatever complies with California's new ridiculous law that will get struck down eventually, uh, email us. If you're in Inland Empire, email Inland Empire Gun Owners. If you're in Orange, email Orange. If you're in San Diego, email San Diego County Gunners. Just go to our website. Say, hey, here's our flyer. Maybe you're a club. Maybe you're a business, whatever. Um, here's the flyer. Here's the advertising, whatever it is. And we'll take a look at it for you. Um, there are ways to comply with this law and make sure that your your kids' programs, uh, you know, can can keep going. So, I think some folks are overreacting, and I, and that's understandable. Um, I get it. You know, California is frankly a a big horrible bully, and I'm not. That's not. You know, I don't mean to be funny. They really truly are um, as adversarial as as. As, as it gets when it comes to gun owners. So I totally get it. But just don't give up, people. Um, you know, if it, we're, we're offering this, uh, take take us up on it. Don't go canceling programs and, and, and whatnot for kids. Take us up on that. So, Ethan, if you know anybody, if you know any orgs, if you know any other, uh, you know, colleagues or whatever that have a, a kids program and they're worried about advertising, they're worried about running afoul of the, of the law, um, uh, please have them contact us, okay? Yeah, I most certainly will. I mean, the one thing that I've done personally is I, I just stopped charging for the class, and it's more on a donation base. It's a free event, so if people want to come out and, and have that event with their students, it's more of a, what I like to call a parent-student day. Trying to come out here with your kid. You guys can both learn together, and the donations are accepted as far as for paying for range and time fees and ammo, stuff like that, but it's a non-profit event in a sense. Cool, man. What's your website? Uh, you can actually find me at www.weaponry.com, and that's weaponry with an I. Uh, and I'm also on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. So weapon, W-E-A-P, W-E-A-P-O-N-R-I, right? Weaponry? Correct. Okay, cool. There's a little spelling test that I almost failed. little test I gave myself, Dave, and then almost failed. I know. I was worried. But you, you pull yeah, it out. A lot of people, a lot of people, have been asking me regarding the spelling and the RIs because everything comes down to the responsibility of the individual. So nice, I like nice. That. Yeah. All right, that's well, cool. good to know. All right, any one more question, Joe? Uh, no, answer my question. Now that's, you know, that's all I had. <laughs> well, I didn't ask. What did we bounce off it? What's the cost factor? Yeah, what do you use regarding charge? training? Or well, I know. So it all depends. It depends on the individual's availability. So I usually charge anywhere from $50 an hour uh, with a minimum of a two-hour day. Okay. Um, but I also charge $150 for a four-hour session. So if you pay for three, you get one free. Gotcha. And if you train Mike, since he's cute, you might get a discount. Yeah, I'm adorable. Yeah, he he's like a little tip. I actually do the discounts for that as well as a retired <laughs> or current Leo in military. See? There you go. <laughs> awesome. he, looks, he looks like a teddy bear. I mean, how could you, how could you turn him down? All right, buddy. Ethan, thank you so much, man. Great job. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your evening. You too, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. FM 96.1 North County. And AM 1170 San Diego. The Answer. All 
right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, Joe, is that safe to eat? No, this safe is for securing your handgun while you are on the go. Mic drop. (laughs) Close enough. Hey, do you ever wish cleaning your gun was easier? Well, you can clean, lube, and protect your gun with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is natural, non-toxic, environmentally friendly. Clean your guns easier, faster. You'll also smell better, too. Something that the wise will always appreciate. One and done with Seal One. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop or get some on the website, seal1.com. That's seal1, the number one, dot com. All right, Joe, tell us about Tuffy. Okay, so what we have is um, another product here from Tuffy Security Products. You might um, remember, I think it was probably a couple of months ago, uh, we reviewed a, um, a storage box, a lockbox that goes, uh, that fits under the backseat of an F-150. And, um, you know, I was uh, taking a look at that, and that was just a fantastic product from Tuffy. Um, it's built solid. It's solid as a tank. Um, it was really easy to install, and it works just great. So what they have here is a, um, a kind of a smaller, ver- not another smaller version of that, but just another uh, product from Tuffy Security Products. And um, what this is, is their uh, universal valuable safe is um, what they call this product. And um, you can use this, uh, again, as for all, ver- or all valuables, I suppose, universal valuable safe. Um, you could also use it for firearms. And it comes in two pieces here. You can see this. Um, you have a frame that the actual safe fits into, and the frame would be mounted. You could mount this in a vehicle. Uh, you could mount this in your home somewhere, in an office, wherever you wanted to, wherever you needed this kind of storage. Uh, again, really solid steel. I couldn't see the, uh, on the website, I didn't see the gauge of the steel, but I mean, it's, it's really beefy. It's all welded steel. Um, you could also buy extra these things for uh, another $69. You can buy another sleeve for it. So you could have the one safe. You could have several different places that you mount it. You could slide the thing out and uh, move it around to different locations or if you have different vehicles or something like that that you want to use. So we've got the, uh, the frame that it mounts in. And then the actual, um, the actual uh, storage safe itself. And the version I've got here has a combination lock on here, and you can change the combination pretty easily on it. Um, you could also get this with a key lock, so it doesn't have to come with a combination lock. And if you open this up, you can see the inside of this, and it's all padded with a, kind of a carpet um, material in here. And the, uh, the way the lock works is uh, when you, you shut this up and slide it into the sleeve wherever you have it mounted, when you operate the lock, the lock secures it into the sleeve, so it's in there. You can also pull this out of the sleeve, and you could keep it locked when you're transporting it, if you want to do that uh, with it. So it works um, pretty well. It's Like I said, they, they call it a universal valuables um, safe. So it's intended uh, you know, for different uses. And in terms of firearms, uh, I tried a couple of firearms in here, and... Um, I've got a full-size 1911, which fits in here perfectly. Um, I tried my, I also have a Glock 34, which uh, is the full-size Glock. It's a little bit longer. Um, I guess the 17 is the official full-size Glock. Yeah. The 34 is about eight-tenths of an inch longer, the slide assembly. 
Um, and it, that would have fit in here perfectly. I've got a uh, red dot sight on top of mine, so it just is a little bit too big to fit that. Show off. Um, but like my carry gun, uh, my Glock 19 would fit in here just fine, even with the red dot that I'm in the process of putting on the Glock 19. So uh, depends on the kinds of firearms you have. Uh, I did try the, uh, I've got a Ruger uh, GP100 uh, revolver. That was a little bit too big for this one. So it just depends. Uh, but this will hold most of your guns, especially a, um, a concealed carry type gun. And uh, which is nice because mounting this in the uh, car, this is a good option for, again, if you have to, um, if you're going someplace where you can't bring the gun in that you're carrying and you've got to leave it in the car, this is a great option to uh, lock it up like this. The other thing I noticed too with, um, just an aside from Tuffy, again, uh, their products, I've got direct experience now with two of their products and they're both just solid. Um, this one and the, uh, the other one I've got for the F-150. Uh, they also make console type boxes that are very similar that are designed specifically for your console. Same idea. Um, I haven't seen one of those, but I'm um, I'm assuming uh, it's really bulletproof, just like this one is. So these things list for uh, two nineteen, which again I think is pretty reasonable for what you're getting here. It's not bad. Um, yeah, and you can buy it directly from them. Uh, they have a number of distributors in Southern California, also where you can go in and take a look at this and uh, pick it up. Um, you can also have uh, they have the options. This is how uh, the one that I got came, and this will work fine um, again with a firearm. Like I said, the uh, the uh, what was I going to say? The nineteen eleven fit in here perfectly. I mean, it was just it was just uh, perfect. It's not going to move around or go anywhere at all. Uh, the entire inside is padded with this carpet, so even if it did move around, it's not really going to hurt anything. Um, you can get the what they call their pick and pluck foam, which. Um, is the foam uh, that's already cut and you just pick out the size so you could you could um customize it i guess for whatever you want to put in here be it guns or other kinds of valuables uh so that's an option with it um it does come with a lifetime warranty uh for manufacturing and um and materials and like i said this thing is is pretty solid i think uh you know you install this someplace and it's going to be just fine um so let's see what else i want to talk about the powder coat finish on here so we have that and I said you can get an extra mounting frame for it for sixty nine dollars. So, so that can I ask you a couple questions? Yes, okay, please. So, that mounting frame that's close to me, mm -hmm. you that's what you, you that's what you screw into the vehicle. So yes, and it comes with the mounting hardware. Um, so again, depending on what you're mounting it to, I suppose you can mount it that way. You can go through the floor, I suppose, if you wanted to mount it like this. Just depends on you know how you want uh, how you want to do it. Uh, you could also use this in the, in the home as well. I mean, it doesn't have to be in the vehicle. It, it'll work in vehicles. It'll work wherever you want to mount it. So you put that mount in wherever, uh -huh. home vehicle, and then you slide the actual safe in? Right. So, or does it act like a drawer? So if this is mounted yeah. in the vehicle, okay. this would slide in here. Okay. And the, what? how does it... Go ahead. So once you lock it, it latches it in here. So now it's secure in here. You would use the combination lock to unlock it. And you could pull it back out of here, and then you could uh, just switch it back and lock it again. So you can carry this around in a locked condition. I see. Or not. But That's you can't open it in the in the carrier. No. When it's in here, you're going to have to pull it out. You're going gotcha. to have to slide it out because the um, the door here is on this side. So whoops. So gotcha. this is what opens. So if you had it installed, it's going in there like that. Right. And basically. they actually put the door on the bottom side which makes it even more difficult to get into. Yeah, this is really secure. And, and this is the uh, the same thing I noticed with their um, the uh, other one, the under seat 
uh, version that I have for the F-150, it would be really difficult to get into that one. I mean, obviously, if you had some time and some tools, you could. This one, I think, would be even harder. I mean, there's there's really no way to get into this to pry this thing out. I mean, it would be really tough for somebody to break into this. But you, you could mount that under a seat, right? You could, yes. Okay. Right. Any place, you've got this four-hole like, pattern. So, like, per, let's so say you had a 2000 Jeep. You yeah, black. <laughs> That's Slightly black. Lift. Uh-huh. In, in the parking lot right now, could we... <laughs> As long as you had the space, this thing, the exterior is three inches high. So if you've got three inches uh, under your seat. We can put some two by fours underneath your rails. Oh, that'll be that'll be classy. Yeah, it's it's nine inches. It's nine by ten by three. Nine so, by nine by ten by three. Okay. Does it say yeah. what it was So if you've got that for? space under there, and um, again, there's a four hole pattern here. So there's nothing stopping you from making a bracket, say, that fits this. Say you say you've only got a crossbar or something to mount to. I mean, you could always make a little bracket as yeah, long as you had the room. Joe can do that for you. Yeah, and it's you know, you said it's 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 in the title. It's called universal, so it's not just for guns. It's, no, no, yeah. it's uh, they say universal valuables, so uh, it works perfectly for some guns, like I was saying, but uh, for most guns, probably, especially, you know, if you're going to carry it, if if you're installing this in the vehicle, then and you're using it for firearms, then it's going to be probably for your carry gun. I mean, that's what you're doing with it, right? Um, so most carry guns would fit in there easily with no problem at all. I mean, if I could put a 1911 in there, that that's going to cover pretty much anything that most people would carry. That's cool, man. And I like the mechanical lock, too. You know, having to futz around with a key, not always the best thing in the world. And I hate electronics. I don't trust electronics at all. So that mechanical lock where it's, a, I don't even know how, to, am I saying that? Is Joe, is that what it's called, a mechanical lock? That's what they, um, is that what they call it? Yeah, they call it a combo lock. But yeah, I would call yeah. it a mechanical lock. Because that was the one thing I was looking at when I first opened this. I was thinking, okay, this is because it's not, you know, I'm looking at, okay, is this, this is kind of a plastic kind of lock or something. But once I got it out and took a look at it, it's really pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, this thing's not going anywhere at all. It's going to last. Uh, and, it, and, it does, and they don't fail. Those things don't fail. It's not like those mechanical locks, you know, uh, they don't fail. It's not like you need batteries or whatever. Yeah. The other thing, too, I'm noticing, like my keychain's starting to get pretty crowded now. <laughs> just uh, my Bill DC just handed me another one the other day. So it's like, uh, like not picking up. Uh, yeah, really, that's what it's starting to get like. Um, not picking up another key is probably a good thing here for this. So, um, so yeah, it looks like a great product. Um, you know, uh, again, reasonable, um, reasonable price at two nineteen. Um, that's the price on their website. Uh, if you look for locators, dealer locators on there, or they have a dealer locator. Yeah, but isn't there a discount code? Um, I don't know, Rich. Uh, it says right there on the paper. Where does it say that? Oh, we do have a discount code. All right. <laughs> Well, this is the thing that I didn't get though today, you know. So actually, I did get it. I it's been it laying there, so uh, <laughs> I can't look at everything. So we do have a discount code. It's Tuffy G O R. We'll get you twenty percent off uh, on this particular thing. It's a minimum seventy five dollar value. So um, so good. So we do have a discount code. Outstanding. And um, like I said, this looks like a great, um, just a great product. I really uh, come in different colors. Um, no, I saw black powder coated, and that was uh, what I saw on the website. Any color you want, as long as it's black. But Henry Ford. There you go. And um, again, that's toughyproducts.com is the website. Uh, and I, Dave was out of the room for the uh, lifetime uh, warranty. Wow. So, yeah, well, it uh, looks like it's a manufacturing. Yeah, this thing's going to be solid. Um, I mean, there were some conditions and things, but um, for the most part, 
uh, it's going to work the way it's supposed to work. And uh, this thing is a tank. So uh, once you install it someplace, nothing's going to happen to yeah. this. And Tuffy's, as, I mean, they're not, it's not like that's some fly-by-night. I mean, Tuffy's been around for forever. They make some really good, good stuff. Right. And that's their expertise. Looks good. Awesome. All right. So we got it. So what'd you get at Amazon? Did I get it from what? I mean, how'd you get it? You got it from Rich. Yeah, I got it from Rich. <laughs> I got it right from Tuffy. Okay. Oh, it's about time. I'm impressed. <laughs> God, make my day. So then what we're going to have to do is find somebody that we can put it in a Jeep. Yeah, and then we found te- somebody. And then, and then test it. I'll test it. You're going to test it? See, look at that. You already figured out how to open it. You get yeah. a box. It's like Christmas. All right, let's take a quick break. Man, this thing's heavy. You're listening. Complain, complain. Listen to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions, comments, or learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now, here's Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. In New York City, a 61-year-old man was assaulted behind the counter of the bodega in which he worked. The man defended himself with a knife, killing the assailant, and was subsequently arrested and charged with murder. At what point does self-defense become murder? Next with Joe. But first, a lot of companies are so frustrated with their websites. It looks old. It's out of date. It's not getting customers. Well, Sage Tree gets it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and get leads. Stop being frustrated by your website and get one that you're proud to share. Contact Sage Tree today to get a website that makes the phones ring. Getting started is real easy. Call 866 728 9100. That's 866 728 9100, and they will fix your website. Or your wagon, whichever comes first. The wagon. So Joe wrote a fantastic article, Self Defense in New York City. Joe, what what what'd you learn? Uh did you go back for research? Go back for research? Sure. No, back I would to New York. Never go to New York City. <laughs> but um but I could research from out here. So no, it's interesting. Um self defense in the big apple. Um I uh came across this actually I saw this I believe I saw this on um on John Korea's active self protection site. I think I was watching the video there and then I kind of looked it up and went a little bit further with it. Um, and again, there can't, is there anybody that hasn't heard of John Korea? If, if there's anybody out there listening, if you have not looked at John Korea's active self protection, I, I recommend like all my students, I look at that. It's some of the best um, education you can get out there in terms of uh, defense and, and concealed carry and that kind of stuff. And what John does, if you're not familiar with it, is um, John will show you an actual crime video. He posts one every day, and um, he breaks them down. He analyzes them, and it's just very educational. He does a great job with it. And um, I was taking a look on there because I try to look at John's thing every day, and uh, he had this video on there of this um, 
this uh, man who was you know working behind the counter in this um, bodega, I guess is what they called him back there. Uh, and he's back there, and what happens is uh, a man comes around from behind the counter, uh, confronts him, shoves him down on the uh, on the floor, basically, or down into a chair, and is standing over him, screaming at him. And uh, the man, the assailant, I guess, grabs this clerk by the shoulders, drags him up, and is dragging him out from behind the counter. And the clerk uh, grabs a knife that he had behind the counter, stabs the guy to defend himself, and ends up killing him. And um, they do that, and uh, the clerk is charged with murder for this. So it's interesting, um, if you take a look at what went on, the uh, the man, the clerk, they said was a 61-year-old man, um, does not look like a very you know athletic, uh, active kind of 61-year-old. He looks more like a 71-year-old man. But um, what started all this, apparently, is a woman came in there and wanted to buy a bag of chips for her 10-year-old daughter. And um, she was using an EBT card, which apparently did not have enough money on it to buy a bag of chips. So the clerk turned her away. Her reaction to that was to go home, tell her boyfriend about this. And then it was the boyfriend that came back and um, assaulted the clerk. So it's interesting because uh, a lot of people that saw this were saying that, no, that was self-defense. The guy was defending himself. Uh, yet the district attorney in New York disagreed and uh, charged the man with murder. And it was interesting. Um, in the beginning, they actually set a really high bail. I want to say it was a million or it was over a million dollars. 500. Was it 500,000? I thought it was higher yeah. than that. Um, and there was, a, I guess, a big public outcry. Well, they put him in Rikers Island. just. To, well, he did spend a week in Rikers. Yeah, yeah. just to you know, make sure he knew where he was. And, um, yeah, it's interesting because they said the outcry was from both sides of the aisles, how they described it. So it was, uh, you know, it was Democrats and Republicans. And it was the Bodega Association. Yes, the Bodega Association as well. I had no idea, like 60, 70 years. Well, it's interesting because if you uh, if you look at John's analysis and I guess John, John had posted, he got a lot of negative feedback. A lot of people disagree with John. Um, but what he was saying was, OK, this was uh, the man, the clerk. You know, ended up using deadly force to defend himself. And, you know, something we teach uh, with students with deadly force is you can only offer the level of force that's being offered to you. So if you look at what happens in there, um, you know, the assailant violently shoving this man down into the chair is not really likely to cause great bodily uh, injury or death. So it doesn't um, elevate, I guess, or rise to the level of being able to use deadly force as a response. Uh, same thing when the guy, uh, when the assailant grabs the clerk, picks him up by the shoulders is, and is dragging him out. Those two things, you know, if you look at them individually, I guess don't really warrant deadly force as a response. Um, the way, what I would look at though, is um, something we talk to or we tell students when we talk about the concealed carry is you have to look at, in self-defense things, you look at the totality of the circumstances, basically, the whole big picture. And yes, those, you know, those two actions by themselves probably don't warrant a deadly force type response. Um, but if you think about, you know, from the clerk's position, okay, he's just been insulted or um, assaulted by a much younger, much stronger man. He's being dragged out from behind the counter. It's reasonable for this uh, clerk to assume and turn that the volume up to hear what, how, what this guy's screaming at him. Well, and that's the other thing too. The guy is yelling at him the whole time. Right. 
And it's reasonable, you would think, for the clerk to assume that, okay, I'm being dragged out of here for this assault to continue. The clerk may have been thinking, okay, I've got access to this knife back here. If I get dragged out away from the knife, I'll have no weapon, and there's no way I'm going to be able to fight this, this much stronger, much younger person. So, you know, looking at the totality of it, it, you know, there may be a reasonable self-defense argument there. It'll be interesting to see, um, because as far as I know, this clerk is not a famous movie star, so this will probably go through the courts, and um, we'll probably get to hear what the jury has to say about this. But um, I thought it was a very interesting uh, case to talk about. And the girlfriend stabbed the, that was the other thing that was going on too. Again, the totality of the circumstances. Once this, so there's more this, than one person attacking this. Gentleman. Once this fight started, yes. Once uh, he started stabbing his assailant, apparently the girlfriend pulled out a knife and stabbed him at least once in the arm, in the shoulder. Uh, what they said? Well, they said shoulder. If you look at the video, he's looking at a cut on his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so he was again attacked by a second person too. So it'll be interesting to see how that argument goes in terms of self defense with that did you oh that's crazy I, the whole the whole situation is crazy and it, it i think that one uh get pepper spray everybody everybody get pepper spray don't think of yeah it's not one or the other you know i'm going to carry a gun or pepper spray you know yeah and i think john points that out in his analysis too that would have been the perfect opportunity uh for the use of pepper spray yeah and um and in new york actually in new york city for uh some reason pepper spray is not banned it's heavily restricted but the average person can buy pepper spray um you just have to go through a registration kind of product you have to buy it from uh, somebody that's authorized to sell it and they, they make you go through a bunch the, of the hoops. other thing is but I, you can get it i can't believe like what is going on that somebody attacked this guy from you know for that like you didn't have enough money to buy some potato chips this guy wouldn't give you potato chips, so you go behind and physically assault this guy. Something is, I mean, we don't have, I don't think either, and none of us have the degree to, to truly analyze what the heck's going on, and we don't have the, the, the enough time to really cover it, but oh my gosh. Well, and I, I mentioned that in the article, too. As tragic as this is, it's indicative of what's happening across the country in cities with the increase in uh, violent crime. And there's no consequence. Well, no, but if you look at what happened, this this woman, okay, was turned down because her EBT card didn't have enough funds for a bag of chips. Her reaction to that is to go home, get her boyfriend, send the boyfriend back to beat up the clerk. Yeah. Great example, great modeling for the 10-year-old girl. And that's, you know, that's what's contributing to this stuff. Um, it's really, truly sad. All right. Let's go ahead and take a break. Because we can. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. San Diego, streaming now on iHeart.com and Odyssey.com. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Candidate for San Diego County Board of Supervisors, District 1, Alex Galicia, is up next. But first, did you know we have a world-class flight training school right here in San Diego? Pilots can fly almost every single day. We're close to the ocean, the desert, the mountains, international border, and a major military base. That's why San Diego is one of the best places to learn how to fly in the world. Learn life, learn to fly in sunny San Diego, right at Montgomery Field. You can get started 
easy. Give them a call at 858-569-1822. Learn to fly with SDFTI. Or give them a call at 858-569-1822. Alex Galicia is a San Diego County Gun Owners member, and he is running for office. Uh, You may have seen him at our South County meetings. Um, He was a a regular even before he started running for office. And we're happy to have him on to talk about how things are going in the campaign and how the campaign season treated him. And uh, how are you doing, Alex? Fine, thank you. I appreciate being invited to speak with you. Yes, sir. So how is everything? Tell everybody a little bit about uh, what you're doing. So I'm running uh, for the state Senate seat in District 18, which is... Oops. Uh, <laughs> we said supervisor. Our bad. Uh, it's state Senate. I, I knew something was wrong state there. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so you're running for state Senate District... 18, which is South Bay. Well, it goes all the way up into the Imperial Valley, up to Nito's. But, but effectively, uh, 80% of the population lives south of California 54. And it kind of follows the, uh, 54, then the 8, all the way east. And it shoots up along Highway 86 toward Indio, then towards Nito's, and down the uh, Arizona border, and back along the Mexican-California border. But um, you know, I'm in Chula Vista, I would say, within a five-mile radius of where I live. It's probably most of the population that lives in the district. It's the old District 40, which is uh, currently uh, Ben Wazel is the uh, state senator in, uh, who's termed out. So I am running against uh, Steve Padilla, who is my city council member here in Chula Vista. Yeah, and he, that opened up the uh, – well, isn't Padilla the mayor of Chula Vista? No, he's uh, he, he's a city council member. He is a former mayor back about 20 years ago. Oh, that's right, ago. yeah. So that's uh, that's good. We we hope he. Uh, it's good to not have him on the uh, city council anymore. He's really bad news. We definitely don't want him up in Sacramento. So, uh, what was the catalyst? What made you want to run? Well, I already had a lot of concerns with Mister Padilla. I'm involved in my local HOA uh, on safety issues, and you know the uh, there was an issue here with we needed a stop sign and a three way uh, sign. And I was trying to reach out to him, and I, he just wouldn't return calls. And I finally ended up having to reach out to two other um, council members, both of whom returned calls within 24 hours. Hmm. And so I, I kind of got interested, like, why wouldn't you return this type of phone call, Mr. Padilla? And so now, you know, looking at the city council minutes, anybody that really looks at what he's doing, he's no news. He doesn't show up to work. The guy wins elections because he's got a name and he's got a lot of contributions. He owes a lot of favors, needless to say. He's got about $400,000 in political money. And basically, he's never done anything but been appointed or elected to office. His last uh, election, he beat a newcomer. Uh, Henry Martinez, a friend of mine. But before that, John McCann beat him by two votes. <laughs> I mean, he's been... If he has a, a, a viable candidate running against him, he is. Even Democrats have a lot of concerns about him. But he's your epitome of a career do nothing politician. Well, did, back when he was mayor, remember he, he, there was like this big controversial thing where he was paying a driver slash security guard who slash boyfriend I, yeah. who he was in a relationship with. It was totally unethical. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he got into some, it, that was, it was pretty bad. And I, I couldn't believe he got reelected to the city council. You know, I don't care if, if, you know, if he's in a relationship with a guy, whatever, but the idea that tax money was going to this kind of this, 
you know, this ridiculous uh, uh, suggestion that this guy was, you know, he had a driver and a security guard when really it was just he was paying, you know, uh, tax money to somebody that he was in a relationship with. It was unbelievably unethical. Yeah, the uh, the whole thing came out of the fact that he mismanaged city funds. You know, he left the city in big financial trouble. Um, there, it should be no surprise that he himself has apparently gone through the whole bankruptcy process. Um, so here's somebody who is unethical, in my opinion, when you hire a, a personal relation, whether it's, you know, sibling or son, daughter, boyfriend, girlfriend, paying them 10000 a month at a time when Whoa. the city is in trouble and traveling around the world. I think they, there was a couple international trips involved there. And, um, you know, that, that definitely, the, at the time, the, the voters of Chula Vista noticed it, and he was a one-term mayor, and he disappeared for a few years. But, you know, he counted on the fact that people have a short-term memory, and he came back. He tried once in 14, he lost, but he managed to get back in in 2018. And, you know, uh, sorry, it was 2020. And he, almost like a month before he was even elected into office, he was already decided, he'd already decided he was going to run for this office. And you look at the uh, his site and the announcements he has on Facebook, the guy never really planned on sitting in the city council seat till the end of the term. And again, I, I when I started looking into that, and, uh, you know, there's a number of other things that I don't like he's done. He's not very uh, pro-small business. Uh, you know, he owes a lot of money to the unions, or, I'm sorry, the unions have given him a lot of money, so he owes them a lot of favors. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the Chula Vista Bayfront's going to require union participation by any contractor in the name of local jobs. I'll use myself as an example. I own a business, literally, I'm a contractor, right across the street from the entrance to the what's going to be the uh, Chula Vista Bayfront. Almost all my employees live within, say, three to four miles, uh, but none of them are going to be able to work on the project because we're not local, meaning we're not members of a local. <laughs> uh, San Diego simply does not have enough plumbers or plumbers to do that job. So in the name of local jobs, they're going to end up importing workers from L.A., from Orange County, other areas. Now, here's what I like. Alex, here's what I really like about your whole story. Uh, number one, I like you because you're a really good dude. Uh, but number two, you're 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 a San Diego County Gun Owners member who decided to run for office. Um, you didn't join San Diego County Gun Owners because you were running for office, which is fine. But I like the fact that you were already somebody that's engaged in the Second Amendment. You're already interested in the organization, and one of the ways that you're looking to help your community is to run for office. I think that's really really great. I like the fact that you're a business owner. Um, I like the fact that you have a story. You know, there there was a real true catalyst. You know, hey. I was trying to get something done and it wasn't getting done. And so I decided to fix the entire situation by running against the person that was mucking it all up. In this case, Steve Padilla. I, I think that's a great story. I think that all every piece of that is exactly what we, we need more of and what we're looking for in San Diego County. And I, I thank you so much for, for stepping up and running. I think that's fantastic. What, what, what can we do? What, what's the best thing we can do to help? What can, you know, people that are listening, People that are members of San Diego County Gun Owners, how do they help you? Right now, the number one way is get help me get my name out. And I'm following a little bit of the playbook of a guy out in New Jersey who, uh, I think he had like a $300 budget, meaning he owed no favors, but he used a social media campaign. And he didn't win, but he came very, very close 
to unseating a career politician, I think like by 1%. So if, if, if somebody would really be able to help me, especially if they know people in my area, friend me on Facebook uh, or look for Alejandro Galicia for State Senate 2022. If you friend me on Facebook, Alex Galicia, I will invite you to join the group. Once you're in my, in my Facebook group for, um, for, my camp, for my campaign, please invite uh, other friends of yours, especially those that may follow in the district. I think that um, I would like to follow as many free options in getting my name out. I want to, if I win this election, I don't want to owe any favors if I have to. I want to be able to vote my conscience, uh, and I want to be able to vote for my community, not for the union or for this big corporation or anything like that. And I do believe in the Second Amendment. I'm very patriotic. I'm a veteran, Army and Navy, served in Iraq. Um, I'm, I, th- I think I'm the kind of person that really wants to represent uh, the community as I've represented my country. I served honorably overseas. My greatest accomplishment is that I went over there. I was a platoon leader. I went into Iraq with 158 soldiers um, in the company. I eventually became company commander. I came back with 158 soldiers. To me, that is my proudest, the proudest moment of my life, 100% soldier accountability upon return from a combat zone. Congratulations. How did you uh, tell the story about how you served in two branches? I, I graduated from Montgomery High School here in South Bay in 1985, enlisted in the U.S. Navy. I served an enlistment term. I uh, was a hospital corpsman. Um, got out, went to college, you know, helped pay my college by doing that. Um, at that time, I swear to God I would never join the military again, but, you know, <laughs> that your view softens over time. I you know, I did come out with an honorable discharge, but I was a junior enlisted man, which means I, I was at the bottom of the barrel for everything. All the, the midnight shifts, you know, getting no sleep, standing saw weather watches on deck, getting wet, everything that comes with being a junior member of our military. Uh, but after college, I thought, you know, I could do this again, but I joined on a part-time basis. Uh, I enlisted in the uh, Army National Guard. I went to the officer candidate school. I became a lieutenant. And I ended up uh, retiring 20 years later uh, as a major. Um, Funny thing was, I did more, I had more overseas deployments as a reservist than I did as an active duty member. From 1985 to 1989, my time in the military, there was not a lot of uh, fighting going on. Um, I I came back in 1997. It was quiet till 2001. And they say uh, uh, one week in a month, two weeks a year. Well, after 9-11, it was the longest two weeks of my life. But I'm, I am proud to have served almost continuous active duty till 2008. Um, you know, went around the world and filled in where I had to. Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate all your support for San Diego County Gunners. Appreciate you being a member and coming and talking to the meetings. Always a pleasure. True gentleman. And I, I really, truly, let's, let's help Alex get elected. What's your website again? Uh, well, the website's going to be alexgalicia.com, but uh, right now I'm, I'm running it primarily through LinkedIn or Facebook. So if you friend me, either Facebook or LinkedIn at alexgalicia, G-A-L-I-C-I-A, I will then invite you to join my uh, my elections group. And that's where I would really, really, um, you know, I don't need money right now. I need, I need my name to go out into the public and people know that I'm running against Steve Padilla. He's a formidable opponent not because he's good but because he's known he's a household brand down here and he's got a lot of money he can send out mailers he can do a lot of things that i will not be able to respond to 
All right. I think most people down here will support me if they find out. All right, Alex. Thank you very much. We're going to a break. Appreciate you calling in. We're going to take a quick break ourselves. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on TuneIn.com and Odyssey.com. Right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. So on the line is Steve Voss, mayor of Poway. We're going to talk about his new program in Poway. But first, PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash alpine. Hey, if you're looking to buy, refi, or if you're considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. They make it easy. Work with a friendly expert team that will help you get the best deal on mortgages. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. So Mayor Steve Voss from Poway came up with a, uh, a really cool program that um, I really want, I hope takes hold. I think it's, it's, it, it'll do some, some good. You know, they, they say, see something, say something, and they talk about, we even talk about all the various warning signs that have happened with, uh, you know, some of these mass killers that make the headlines. And uh, Steve's doing something really cool about it, so I wanted to have him come on and talk about it. Mayor, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing really well. How's it going? It's going great. Thank oh, great, gorgeous day, nice weekend. Hopefully, you guys had a great weekend too. Good, good, good. Well, uh, Mayor, I really, really appreciate. Why don't Why don't you Why don't we just go right into you? Tell them Tell them what uh, What I'm referencing. Well, you know, you pretty much covered it. It's It's pretty simple. Uh, there are typically a large number of warning signs, uh, up to ninety percent. Uh, some studies say of perpetrators communicate their intentions to others uh, before they undertake mass violence. Uh, you know, you look at the, the guy in uh, Uvalde, Texas. You know, the, the shooter uh, repeatedly threatened teenage girls on social media, got into fights, cut his own face with a knife, bragged about buying a gun. Somebody asked him, you know, should a school or something? But nobody said anything, which is tragic. You know, according to the FBI, those that are most likely to notice those kind of behaviors are family, friends, and classmates, but generally they don't mention the behavior to anyone. And I wanted to close that gap. And so we created the Poway Alert Line. The Poway Alert Line. So is it, it's a number people call? It's a number that people call. Uh, you know, four years ago, uh, I created the uh, Poway Unified School District tip line uh, that the city does for the schools in conjunction with the sheriff's department and the police department, allowing students, parents, community members to report individuals or incidents that, you know, their concern might jeopardize school safety. And it has been invaluable in, you know, helping to, to head off potential problems. So I thought, you know, we can do the same thing for the city of Poway, have a line that people can call if, if they're concerned that, Someone they know represents a danger to themselves or others or, or might uh, be thinking about a mass violence event. 
They can call us uh, anonymously if they want, and it goes instantly to the sheriff's department, and then they can handle it. That's awesome. So there, there, there's a little bit of analysis on the other end of the line. They, they call up and describe the situation, and then the person on the other uh, other side of the phone, is it a 911 operator? Who, who are they talking to exactly? No, actually. It, we run it through a system. Uh, you've probably heard their ads on the radio called Grasshopper, where the, the people leave a recorded message, and as soon as they hang up, that recorded message, they can go on as long as they want, instantly goes to 14 different sheriff's department uh, Poway uh, team. Uh, it also goes to city leadership uh, so that immediately that can be analyzed and determined if it's actionable intelligence or if there's something we can do to help the person on the other end of the line. You know, every time there's one of these uh, tragedies, Mayor, I get a bunch of phone calls from local media and they always want me to explain the entire situation and then, you know, defend the idea that I, I still think that we should have, uh, you know, civil rights is, is really what it boils down to. And I always say, hey, look, there were there were, ton, you know, there were tons of warning signs. There were tons of warning signs. No one did anything that that's that doesn't mean something's wrong with my Second Amendment. And I, so it, when you when you when I read about this and when I heard you talk about it, I said, yeah, this is exactly what we need. And, and it's not I don't think it's the fault of anybody. You know, we get very frustrated with friends and family who surrounded some of these folks um, I think that, you know, it's tough. It's tough to tell, like, hey, I don't want to call 911. It's not an emergency. And there really you, aren't. Boy, you hit, you hit it right on the head. Because before I took this to city council, I did a very unscientific survey. And I asked friends and, and residents, if you had concerns that somebody you know represents a danger to themselves or might be playing an act of violence, who would you call? Yeah, there's no path. The answer was invariably, well, Gosh, I wouldn't call 911. I don't know who I'd call. So that's where we felt we needed, we had an opportunity to bridge that gap. And, you know, we're advertising it heavily. I would love to see other cities following our footsteps here or, or the county following our footsteps. Get this, the whole program, we're doing a six-month trial. The cost of it, <coughs> excuse me, $197. That's enormous. Where did you find that kind of funding, Mayor? That's... <laughs> You didn't know he yeah, sings. Doing on the cheap. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know he sings. I'm well aware. Well aware. He's on the curb that more was... than I know. <laughs> he's, he's out with a sign. Uh, need one hundred ninety-seven dollars. Yeah, and his guitar. Yeah. Well, Mayor, I think that's awesome. I mean, is, is it fairly easy to? So let's let's say What's the number. Well, yeah, what is the number? If uh, remember, it's for Poway, eight five five fifty six alert. Fifty six alert. So let's say. Um, you know, another city says, yeah, we want to do this, or, or even the county says, hey, yeah, this is something we want to do. Is that something they could, they could help you with? I mean, is it, was it a tough implementation, or was it fairly easy no. to switch on? No, it, it took 10 minutes. I recorded the message uh, that people hear when they call that number, mm -hmm. and it, it literally less than an hour to set it up and have it operational. The other cool thing is about that, and I'm a, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you call 911, you know, for the wrong thing, you could easily run afoul of the law, you know, if it's not an emergency and they determine, hey, you know what, you're, you're, you're screwing around here. Um, I, I, probably, maybe not that easily, you know, but with this, there aren't really, there isn't that, 
there aren't really those those consequences, those ne- negative ramifications. Maybe, you know, if, if you call and say, "Hey, here's what's going on," and they go, "Nah, you know, that's not exactly what this is for," or whatever. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you call this number, you can't really go wrong. You know, you're not gonna do, you're not gonna do, you're not gonna keep police from rescuing somebody, or you're not gonna yeah. abuse the system. I mean, it's meant it's meant for you to just give information and then let somebody else analyze and figure out what the best thing to do is, right? Exactly. You know, if you've got a legit, you know, clear and present danger emergency, call 911 by all means. If in doubt, call 911. But if you've got, you know, you see the guy down the street and, you know, some animals in the neighborhood are turning up dead or something or, you know, this this kid in Uvalde, Texas, he was carrying around dead cats in a bag for weeks before the, the tragedy there. So if you see something like that and you live in Poway, call 855-56-ALERT. Now, to your point about, you know, is it going to get weird if you report something wrong? No. I mean, we had a lady call in the other night, God bless her, and she said, you know, somebody gave me this number. I don't know if it's the right number, but there's a baby possum in our neighborhood and it's wandering around and it's hurt. (laughs) We, We were able to point her in the right direction. Now, uh, what happened with that possum, Mayor? Did everything turn out okay? <laughs> as far as I know, that possum was happy and out in the wild again. <laughs> Look at that! Already doing good things. I, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, fantastic job, great idea. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very. Our organization, we've been very critical of the gun violence restraining orders, um, and uh, I, I think that this is a very reasonable. Correction, system fixed. well it's not not a, it doesn't have anything to do with gun violence restraining orders it's a an alternative i would say a um, tool. it's a better tool it's a far more reasonable um uh you know uh response or, or a preventative measure and i think it's a great idea i'm so glad was there anybody against it or was it pretty much you know no, no. how can you be against it you know where you just take the statistics then in almost all of these tragedies People have noticed the problems in advance, but they didn't say anything. How many lives could we have saved if there was a, an alert system in some of those other cities? Sure. Frankly, I think this idea should be nationwide, but I settled for the county. At well, your, your survey t- tells it all, because I, what you did is you gave the community a direct line without trying to wonder if their calls 911 worthy. You know, it's yeah. like it's like, you know, call this number before you dig. Call this number, you know, if you have a, a loose animal in your yard. You actually gave them a number to use for their problem. I think that's 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 smart. So well, we're, we're we're optimistic that uh, it can give us an extra layer of safety. So mental way. health concerns, criminal concerns that are, you know that aren't emergencies. Um, just any kind of like, gee, that suddenly looks weird. Yeah, you know, the hair in the back of my neck standing up when I see that, or gosh, I got this feeling in my gut yeah. and it just doesn't seem right. Let me at least get yeah. this information to some folks. We we're not violating anybody's rights. We're not, you know, right. taking anything away from anybody. We're just kind of going, hey, you know what? This this feels a little weird. Let uh, let's see if we can, uh, you know, possibly get to the bottom. I think it's a great idea, Mayor. The key word is concern. If if you are concerned that someone you know may be planning an act of violence or could be a danger to themselves or others, that concern, call, and then let us figure it out. Let us see if there's something that... You'll make that decision. You'll make that decision. Well, the experts will. I certainly won't. Right, right. Awesome. 
Thank you, Mayor. Anything else you want folks to know? Nah, spread the word about this. Let's get other cities on board. Let's do it. All right, my friend, what's the uh, what's the number? One more time. For anybody in Poway, what, what number should they call in if Poway, they have concern? 855-56-ALERT. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. Hey, see you guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, a whole lot more right here on Gun Owners Radio. FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. North County, AM 1170, San Diego, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Well, do you feel safe? Are you protected? It's time to take ownership on your self-defense journey. And the U.S. Concealed Carry Association believes the key ingredient is being responsibly firearms owner and is properly trained and educated so uscca offers comprehensive training that helps you avoid danger while keeping you and your loved ones safe more than six hundred and fifty thousand responsibly armed americans like you have made the responsibility decision to take control of protecting themselves and their families get hands-on training from a certified instructor you might even get joe and you can learn how to avoid danger defend yourself and protect your loved ones. Take responsibility for your own safety and visit uscca.com backslash G-O-R. All right, it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Stump My Nephew. Sam, the gunman, is my nephew. He's 22 years old. And uh, every week we ask him a question that we get from a listener. If you have a gun trivia question, email it to us. If we read it on the air, if we ask Sam your question, then we will give you a hat or a shirt. If you stump my nephew, then we'll give you a, a super special prize. So, um, you, you, rarely is he stumped, but uh, every once in a while he is. He's been doing. How many years have you been doing this now, Sam? Uh, I don't know. Roughly uh, three or so, four maybe. I think that's right. I think you were nineteen when you started. And now you're twenty-two. That's somewhere. If I'm doing my math right, that's three years. Yep. Awesome. All right. Are you ready for this week's question? Uh, I hope so. This this week's question, which by the way, someone you know had a hand in this in this week's question. I want you to know. Oh um, yeah. So, uh, but it was actually officially submitted by Bill P from Monaco, Wisconsin. And his question is: What nautical equipment led Sam Colt to the invention of a reliable multiple shot revolver? Bill P. from Monaco, Wisconsin. Thanks for writing in. Um, That's a real place, by the way, Monaco, Wisconsin. Yeah, for, for those of you listening, um, the, uh, the upper Midwest and parts of upstate New York have a lot of Native American place names. Monaco is one of them. Um, what, what nautical device led to uh, Samuel Colt's uh, creation and, and patenting of the, the first reliable Yeah. What, uh, multiple shot revolver. Yeah, what nautical equipment led Sam Colt to the invention of the reliable multi shot revolver? That's a tough one. I uh oh. I want to say uh, there 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 are a few possible answers here. I okay. I know I read this somewhere, but I forgot what it was. It's it's frustrating. It's really on the tip of my tongue. Um, part of me wants to say the uh, 
block and tackle or or some part of the steering gear of the ship. But I think what I'm going to go with is um, the the steering wheel itself. Mm. It says you might. I, I don't know. You if were really close. I don't know if I'm smart enough here, but the, the answer is the capstan or windlass which has a ratchet and pawl mechanism, is used on ships to assist in handling ropes or lines by assisting those pulling the line. If a line is wrapped around a capstan and pulled tight, the capstan will not allow it to be pulled backwards. However, the capstan will rotate and allow the line to be pulled forward. The capstan itself is not powered. This was in the 1820s and 1830s. The guy who sent this in, Bill P., was actually inspired by your grandfather to send this in. He wrote a book on uh, on Colt revolvers and is a legitimate expert. And apparently, I guess the connection there is you, you said you thought you'd read it somewhere. Your grandfather actually gave you that book, and you read it. You read it in that book years ago. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah, that's why it sounded it's right on the tip of your your tongue. He and um, your grand yeah, your grand. You know, I should have gone with my first guess because it it yeah. has something to do with the block and tackle. Um, that man, that's that's a good question, fun question, tough one, obviously, because I, I didn't uh, didn't really get it. But um, yeah, it's that's a, a neat piece of trivia. It's if you'll pardon the pun, uh, that's a little bit outside my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, your 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 grandpa and I uh, spent a little bit of time on the phone uh, evaluating on whether or not I I thought well, if he's read it in the book, I mean, this guy's such a sponge. If he's read it in the book, he, I think he's going to get it. And your grandpa said, well, that's a pretty hard question. We, we spent some time trying to figure it out. But God. it was a good question. It's a very good question. And Bill yeah. and Monaco, we're going to get you a hat or a shirt, and we'll have to figure out a really special prize for somebody in Monaco. You have I don't a conspiracy in your family? It's not me. It's a, This is his grandfather. My dad is out for blood with these questions. That's what I said. <laughs> Poor kid. Living a life you can all, a you, gun store. You know, you can almost always tell the questions that he sent in have always been uh, Navy related. Well, and not only that, Sam, did you not correct us one time and said you were not really into the you know armament of back in the 15, 16, and 17 hundreds necessarily? Um, yeah, this is, this is a little bit later than that. So I, I mean, obviously I should brush up on everything. Uh, it, it obviously moves me to, to know something about every period of firearms. Ah. Gotcha. But those of you in the listening audience will know that my weak points are um, basically anything before the advent of fixed ammunition, like, you know, individual cartridges. And um, I, I have weaknesses in pop culture and certain um, more niche areas like uh, naval armaments. Although last week uh, we had a uh, we had you had a question that was both pop culture and naval armament. When we asked you the question about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, um, the, what was it, the plasma rifle from the, uh, <laughs> that the Oops. Marines used in, uh, in Alien, right? Yeah. In, uh, in Aliens, yeah. That aliens? Stuff I just pick up through cultural osmosis, and it's like, well, I, I wish I hadn't learned that because it's taking up space, but sometimes it's useful, <laughs> I guess. Hey, so did you have an opportunity to read the decision yet, the Bruin decision yet? Uh, no, I have not read the complete decision, but um, I, the the synopses that I've looked at and and from just skimming through it, it, it seems pretty interesting. I'm not sure this is something that, in my opinion, should have been decided in the courts. Like a lot of things, I think Congress had a responsibility to legislate this beforehand, so it didn't have to become a court case. 
but it is an interesting decision. So here in, you know, behind enemy lines in California, um, we're all, everybody's really excited about it. And we think it's going to, you know, change our world because we have so many different laws. We have a, a pistol ban, a rifle ban. Uh, we had a uh, CCW, practically a, a ban on, on CCWs. You know, this is going to change our world. In Virginia, what is the general feedback? Like in the, you know, you work at a gun shop, you know, you know, you get people coming in and you work with people in the industry. Has there been a lot of talk? Are people as excited in a little bit more of a free state? Uh, people, people have been talking about it. Uh, a couple of my coworkers are pretty pleased about that. And I have coworkers and we have regulars at the shop who come from states like uh, a lot of them come from New York. Some uh, Marines will, will frequent our shop who have just been PCS from California. And so they're pretty excited about these developments that uh, seem to make concealed carry laws more liberal in that uh, it, it, this, this decision appears to strike down may issue and enforce shall issue as the law of the land. Um, but the, the thing is, and, and this is kind of a, a long-running gripe of mine, that in Virginia, because we have relatively lax gun laws as compared to states like California and some states in the Northeast, uh, people really aren't united as, as a, a solid front behind pro-Second Amendment causes because we don't typically have a lot of stuff to fight for on the state level. Um, out in California, you guys are all really united, and I'd like to offer my congratulations to uh, everyone who goes to SDCGO meetings or is a member of one of the affiliate organizations because you guys are all doing something we, we can't seem to accomplish out in, here in Virginia and all getting together to, to fight for your rights at the state level. We have VCDL in Virginia, but it's not really the same thing. Interesting. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you, Sam. Is there is what is there in Virginia that's uh, you know kind of an anti-gun thing that that people might be happy about here that this could help with? I mean, in in California, there's a million things. Hopefully, that this will help with. What is what's the big deal in uh, Virginia? Or is there one? Uh, people don't have a lot of an axe to grind in Virginia right now. Um, back in 2019, January uh, or so, some of you might remember. Um, well, actually like 2019 going into January 2020 because of our legislative sessions. Some of you might remember seeing on the national news um, that Virginia had an incoming um, uh, group of state, legislature, state legislators who tried to pass a whole slate of anti-gun laws and um, that most of those were defeated. Some of them passed, but uh, we did not end up getting some of the worst stuff like an assault weapons ban, though some of it came pretty close, honestly. Well, that's cool, man. What are people... So one of the things we've been talking about, because we have our pistol ban, our, our unsafe handgun roster, or whatever it's called, we've been talking about how we really only have a few options. What what's what are the What's the one or two most popular carry guns in Virginia right now? If people are coming in, buying a carry gun... What are they? What, what's what's the one and two most popular that, in, in, that you've seen? Well, I'll give you kind of two answers: a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is people like the the latest and greatest, like everything they see on I don't know Instagram or YouTube or whatever um, that that seems to be popular online. People like the Springfield Hellcat, the Sig Sauer P365, um, and that whole family, um, and to some extent the Smith and Wesson Shield Plus because they're tiny and they hold a lot of rounds. And big number mean better, right? Yes. Uh, but the the long answer is I was I was talking about this with a customer earlier today, 
it's kind of funny how there's been this trend going back and forth uh, throughout the past 10 or 20 years about concealed carry pistols. You start with the popularity of something like the, the M&P Compact or the, the Glock 19 or something in that class, and people go, okay, well, this is great, but I want something smaller. So the manufacturers started coming out with the, like the, the Shield, the, the Glock 43, little tiny guns like that, the Springfield XDS. And then people went, okay, these are easier to carry, but we want more rounds. Hey, Sam. That's perfect. That's perfect, Sam. Okay, so Hellcat and SIG 365, we actually got to wrap it up. Otherwise. Awesome job, though. Thank you so much. Sorry you got stumped. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bill P., you should be, your next phone call should be to your grandpa, asking him why he, he takes <laughs> such pleasure in uh, watching you get stumped. And then, uh, Bill P., I'm going to make sure to get you whatever you want for a prize. Thank you so much, Bill, for submitting. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Good night. All right, folks. Hey, subscribe to our show. Give us a five-star review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, Inland Empire Gun Owners, Orange County Gun Owners, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Sage Street Digital Marketing, Seal One, Leo Hamill, Fine Jewels, San Diego Flight Training International, and our newest partner, U.S. Concealed Carry Association. Big thanks to Michael Schwartz, Joe Jamisi, Sam the Gunman, and our buddy Noah in the house. Always Burn. glad to be here, Dave. You're the best, brother. Folks, be safe. Bob Siegel's in the house. Don't touch that dial. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.